This is NASCAR driver Tony Breidinger inviting you to make a pit stop at Raising Cane's for my favorite craveable chicken fingers. Turbocharge your order and get it even faster when you order online or with the Raising Cane's app. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. Raising Cane's is not affiliated with NASCAR. Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. are you doing? I'm great. Good. I don't know why that was the way it was, but hey, 60 episodes deep. How are you feeling about that? I'm feeling good and yet weird about it. Like, seems like not that long. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I, the last couple episodes, every time I go to like post it, I see, you know, 58 and I'm like, what? What what do you mean? It's more than a year. What the fuck? Yeah. Pretty soon we'll be at 70. Maybe 100? Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. That's but anyway, 60. Increasing numbers. That's kind of cool. Work. Any hoozy. I don't really have much to talk about uh, at the top other than I was just going to be like, whoa, 60. But anyway, you want to just jump in? Sure. Hell yeah. So, this week, we're going to be talking about Mary Kay Beckman because she survived. And my... <laughs> <laughs> and what did she survive? <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. So my sources for this week come from the show In an Instant. The episode was titled Match Made in Hell. And I also got information from articles from courthousenews.com, nydailynews.com, and wmlawyers.com. Sure. You know it's official when the lawyers is in the like URL. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get after it. Mary Kay Beckman lives in Las Vegas, Nevada, and she moved there in 2005 with her partner at the time. <laughs> at the time. No, listen. Her partner at the time's name was Tom. So, her partner at the time. Partner at the time, baby. So, yeah. She lived there. Howdy. Yes. She lived there in 2005 with her partner at the time, Tom Foster, and the two had settled there with the intent to get into real estate. And Mary Kay was licensed by January of 2009, and the two of them were absolutely killing it. They were very excited about starting their new life in Las Vegas, and they had just moved from the Midwest and the cold, and they were in what they looked at as the land of opportunity, and they were just ready for a fresh start. In the beginning, things were really great for them, and they had made friends, and they were going out and having fun, and like I said, they were killing it in real estate. That was until one morning Mary Kay had gotten ready for work and left without Tom because he wasn't feeling very well that morning. But the plan was for him to come in a little bit later. But later in the day, she had gotten a call that Tom had had a massive heart attack and had suddenly passed away at the age of 63. Wow. Yeah, really sudden and very shocking and super sad. This was obviously a huge shock because Tom was one of the healthiest people that Mary Kay knew. They moved at 63? Well, he was 63. I think she was 53. I think there was a little bit of an age difference. But um, still too young, you know, to die up with a heart attack. I mean, no one should, but you know what I'm saying. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm yeah. tired. Can you tell that I'm delirious? <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, Mary Kay said that this was so out of the blue because... Tom either hiked or swam or did some sort of physical activity every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. So he was very healthy. He was very physical. And Mary Kay was just absolutely devastated. 
as well as all the friends that they had made in Vegas so far, and actually 150 people came to his service to pay their respects. Even though Mary Kay had support from her friends, she was an absolute wreck, and grieving the loss of her husband was just crippling for her, so she felt very alone. Tom was also her business partner, so she had lost the person that she worked with as well. Just very difficult time. Yeah, how do you pick up a whole other person? Right. And like ignore the grief. Yeah, exactly. Just carry on business yeah. as usual. Right. She had to take a nice long vacation after that. But after a while, her friends pushed her back to work and back out into the world because she needed to start moving forward and taking care of herself again. But dating in Las Vegas was really difficult, and she was having trouble meeting people, and Mary Kay was just starting to get really depressed. But that's when one of her friends suggested that she just try some online dating. Right. Yeah. This is where it starts. Yes. So she told Mary Kay that she knew a woman who had met her fiancé online, so maybe Mary Kay should give it a try. So in September of 2010, one evening, Mary Kay came home from a long day at work and decided, what the hell? Started swiping on Tinder. (laughs) Almost. I mean, 2010. So she logged on to Match.com. She poured herself a glass of wine, sat down on the couch, and decided to make herself a profile. In her About Me section, she wrote that she loved being outdoors, she loved golfing whenever she got the chance, and she especially loved traveling and trying out new golf courses wherever she went. And I can tell that you are loving that. Love golf. (laughs) Big golf guy. I do not understand, but I love that you love that. (laughs) We all need hobbies, right? No, I'm joking. (laughs) I'm not trying to shit on golf entirely, but... Anyway, she fell quickly into the trap of constantly checking the website to see if anyone had matched with her because that shit can be addictive. And one night after work, she checked and saw that she had gotten a match. It was a 50-year-old man named Wade Ridley. And he was in Phoenix, Arizona, but his description said that he was easygoing, open-minded, loved being outdoors, traveling, hitting up a happy hour, and, wait for it, golfing. Golf, love it. Yes. And so she was like, all right, we'll we'll message, even though he's not in Las Vegas. We'll we'll send him a message. Go to the country club. See what's up. Yuck it up. Right. So she and Wade started messaging, and he told her that he was going to be moving to Las Vegas soon. And he was a golf caddy for, like, professional golf tournaments. Okay. And decided to move to Vegas for the winter to play more golf. So Mary Kay was like, jackpot. Yes, jackpot. Yeah. Everything seemed great. Although, if we kind of shift our view right now over to Wade Ridley, we're going to learn more about him. So Len Zamora was Wade Ridley's former boss. And Len first met Wade in 2007. He worked for Maribel Golf Course as their caddy for about nine months. And during his time there, Len noticed that Wade became more and more aggressive as time went on. He was just insecure and toxic, and he just wanted to prove himself all the time. So once they were having a meeting about a golf event and his superiors were leading this meeting in front of a huge group of, you know, employees and talking about how things were going to run at this tournament, and Wade couldn't help but audibly scoff at what they were saying. So they all kind of stopped and they were like, 
is everything okay, Wade? Like, what's going on? He told them that they didn't even know how to run a golf event and he should be in charge. And then he got up in his leader's face, like very aggressively, which is when Len, his boss, told him that he needed to leave. So, of course, he stormed out and slammed the door behind him. Uh As any normal person would do, right? Uh Just completely interrupt in front of a gigantic group of people and try to be like, I could do it better. Of course. It's what I might do, you know, (laughs) to just blow up in front of everybody. Yeah. And then question the leader so I can insert myself as the leader and then storm off. Not even your boss. Your boss's boss. Right. Just go right up the chain of command. Go to the CEO if you need to. Yeah. And, um, you know, don't deal with your emotions in a healthy way. Just let them out. Exactly. At any time. That makes perfect sense. In form of anger. Well, that was Wade. That's what Wade was doing. So anyway, the next day, Len brought Wade into his office and fired him because he's like, hey, Wade, uh, you can't do that. What the fuck, dude? Yeah. But when he asked for the keys back, Wade threw them up in the air. And when Len looked up to catch the keys, Wade punched him straight in the face. Oh my God. Very hard. And was like, if I ever see you again, I'm going to hurt you. And well, you just did. Why you, do you need to see me again? Or, what are we or, doing here? I don't know if he said that exactly, I'm going to hurt you, but something along the lines that was very threatening to be like, you better hope you never see me again, kind of thing. Great. That's yeah. why we're firing you, so that we don't ever see you again, you dumb shit. Each week, I speak to inspirational people. Each one of them has been on their own remarkable journey. They've all chosen to share their stories with one aim, that if people can relate and get comfort from it, if it can help someone, as one of my guests said, there's so much going on in the world. We should be focusing on helping one another and making each other better. Each one is a superhero, not because they have special powers, it's because in spite of what they've gone through, they keep on going. I find them remarkable. Please listen to Chatholic and hear their stories. Right. Yeah, not the brightest, but Len, after that, was very, he felt very threatened because Wade was very aggressive, like yeah, I said. Yeah, I mean, you, this guy turns on a dime. Yeah, he's very like, unhinged. Obviously unpredictable. Extremely unhinged. And Len was really scared because he's like, this man knows where I live. And he's yeah. directly threatening me. Does which Len is have a family? Not great. He did, I believe. Yeah, yeah, so. A few days later, Len got a call from Ann Simonson, who at the time was Wade's ex-girlfriend. And she called Len and was like, I heard what happened, but do you know where Wade is? And Len told her, it's none of my concern where Wade is. That's when Anne told him, well, because he's like, I don't I don't care to know where Wade is. I fired him. I don't want to be in contact with him, essentially. And Anne was like, okay, I get that, but you don't understand. He's very dangerous and he wants to hurt you. So, well, got that message right. already. But now this is like reinforcing how yeah. unhinged he is. The fact that his ex-girlfriend is calling you and being like, hey, um, this is extremely bad. Yeah, might be time to move yeah, or call so- the PD. 
So Len spread the word to other courses to look out for Wade and to not hire him because they wanted to know where he was. So he was like, okay, if he goes to another golf course, maybe they'll call me back and tell me he was there. And also he wanted to just generally warn other people not to hire him because he's obviously a danger. Also, here's a thought. Why not file assault charges against him? He punched you in the face. Yeah, I guess he was trying to not do that. I don't know. But But yet... Let's go warn everybody else. I don't know. We should probably be taking the legal route here. Yeah, I agree. But that's just not what happened. Okay. <laughs> but um, so because Len spread the word about how terrible Wade was and how aggressive he was, nowhere would hire him. And he was absolutely pissed. It just made him more angry. So that's when he met Mary Kay on Match.com and decided that he was going to move to Las Vegas because he wanted to golf for the winter. But that was all made up. He just wanted to get the fuck out of there and get a job. Get a job. Exactly. Their first date was at the end of September in 2010, and Wade asked Mary Kay to get dinner with him at an Italian restaurant, so Mary Kay agreed. She met him at the restaurant that night as a safety measure, because, you know, she didn't want him to pick her up and then know where she lived without knowing him. Yeah, good Um, move. Yeah, she told four of her friends that she was going, what she was wearing, and her friends told her that if she didn't like him or feel safe to excuse herself to the bathroom and call them and they would come pick her up even though she had her car there. So very good system yeah, in place. She's, uh, she's taking all the precautions. Yeah, and unfortunately as a woman, you gotta do that shit. So that's what she did. And unfortunately, the date went well. He was a regular gentleman. He helped, He opened the door for her. They chatted all night. And Mary Kay left the date impressed and giddy about the whole experience since it had been so long since she had had that. I never get like the opening the door. It just seems so stupid. It's like the literal easiest thing to do. It's the it's bare like minimum. <laughs> you literally, two seconds of your life, you prevent the door from closing again and that's it. <laughs> You're a gentleman. And like, boom. Like, You're a like, regular oh, gentleman. Well, yeah. I mean, she was like 53. Yeah, I know. So it's like a different... I just don't. I've never understood like the opening the door is like a Yeah. Well, he also like after they had finished their dinner, he was like, oh, I I don't want to end the date yet. So like, will you go on a walk with me outside of the restaurant? So they like went on a very short walk. And then her heels were starting to hurt her feet. So he's like, oh, I'll call you and I'll call you a cab back to the restaurant. So he did. He like held a cab for her. And then he's like, I want to kiss you. And then she like gave him her cheek. And so he kissed her cheek. And then she was like, oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was also good. just imagining like, hey, uh, you want to go on a walk outside the restaurant? You know, like from our perspective, like, yeah. I can see how that would be nice if you had a nice date sure. and you wanted to like walk with someone else afterward. But Wade Ridley is a dangerous man. So this yeah. was a bad thing. But, you know, he did call her a cab and that night ended well. She was excited about that. On the date, they did talk about their past relationships. And he did mention that one of his exes had a restraining order on him. But Mary Kay wasn't completely turned away because he said that it wasn't for violence, which... Well, you um, could say that it's for anything. Yeah, he could. You're just taking that, what he's saying at face value. But... What other reason would you get a restraining order for? Stalking. 
I mean, like when you're stalking somebody, it's like usually like leading up to violence. Right. But, but he may not have actually like, like I physically harmed his ex-girlfriend. I didn't punch her right. yet. But, but I, I was stalked like, her for years. I was watching every move that she was doing so that I could do so in a private situation. Right. Exactly. And I was just going to say, getting a restraining order is extremely difficult to do. So if someone has a restraining order against them, that says a lot about that person. It is very difficult. Go check in on that. Yeah. Don't, don't take that lightly, you know? Yeah. So only a few days later on October 1st, 2010, Mary Kay asked Wade to come with her to a fundraiser hosted by her office because she was like, okay, I want my friends to meet him and like, give me their opinion. And what, what better way for them to meet him than for me to introduce him to you all at once at this event. Very efficient. Exactly. So that Friday night before the fundraiser, they went to her friend Julie's house for the quote unquote happy hour, along with everyone from the office. And her friend Julie was busy hosting, but immediately after meeting him, she still felt very weird. And she's like, I don't know. Something feels off about this man. Good. Yeah. And that's when at the party, another coworker and friend of both Julie and Mary Kay, Teresa, told Julie that Wade had been not only staying at Mary Kay's house, but he didn't have any luggage or a car or even a toothbrush and had taken and hadn't taken a shower or brushed his teeth in supposedly days. Wait, and he told this to Teresa? Maybe Mary Kay did, but he's Hmm. he's staying with her. Like he's just sleeping on her couch or like with her. I don't know. Why? What? After the first date? I'm not sure exactly how that progression happened because it wasn't like laid out for me, oh, but... Okay. Um, now he's staying on her couch. That was quick. Yeah. I mean, maybe he didn't have a place to stay. He's between jobs. He's probably like, hey, do you mind if I crash on your couch? And, couch? and for her, it's like, oh, this date went great. Now we get to spend more time together. Sure. Yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, but you know. No, exactly. It's it's <laughs> dangerous. It is. But I mean, she doesn't know what she's getting herself into yet. True. But now, you know, Julie already is like, I have a bad feeling about this guy. And now Teresa is confirming, yeah, he's staying on her couch, doesn't and have he any has luggage. No possessions. Yeah, doesn't have any luggage and hasn't showered or brushed his teeth. So he's also gross. Yeah, gotta shower. It seemed like he would just move around a lot and take advantage of people along the way. And so Mary Kay was just someone he could take advantage of. The party was Friday night that they were at. And Mary Kay said that by Sunday morning was when Wade started showing his true colors. So not very long. This was quick. Very quick. He's very aggressive, like I said. And they were at another work event. And Mary Kay was looking at her phone because she's a realtor. You know, she's got clients calling her constantly. But when Wade saw her looking at her phone, he asked who she was talking to and who all these men were. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, People that are going to give me money. Right. And Mary Kay let him know that they were all her clients. And she also told him that she had deleted her account on Match.com right after they had met. So he had nothing to worry about. More do you want, dude? But he still reached for her phone to take it away and look at it, but she wouldn't give it to him because he was being an absolute psycho. And so he angrily stormed off because he's really good at doing that. It seems to be his favorite. It is. That night, Mary Kay and Wade and five of her other friends all went out to dinner after this work event. 
and her friend Mike asked Mary Kay if she was planning on taking a training class that his company would put on every year. You know, just normal, friendly conversation. And she told him that she was, in fact, planning on taking it because she wanted to see if she could learn anything new. And her friends were like, ah, you're an established realtor. You have all these clients. You're so good at what you do. You don't need to take this class. And Mike said, yeah, don't waste your money on it. They're all gassing her up. This is, it's like, it's good stuff. Yeah. Love it. But that's when Wade abruptly stood up and was like, are you going to let him talk to you like that? And like made a scene and everyone just like, they were like, ooh, and just (laughs) kind of like stopped and like looked around. What's wrong with this man? Yeah. And so Mary Kay was like, we're all very good friends and he didn't say anything wrong. So that's when he, again, say it with me, stormed away (laughs) and sat at the bar. The old Wade special. Exactly. Wait, is he going to drink every time he storms off? I mean, that time for sure. But that's when the night kind of ended because, you know, you don't get to recover from that very easily. No. Especially when it's like your new boyfriend and he like causes a scene and like picks a fight and like it's a whole thing. So Mary Kay just drove them back to her house. And as they sat in the driveway, Wade was like, I don't know why you let him talk to you like that or value his opinion over mine. And... (laughs) And Mary Kay was like, okay, you need to stop. Because at this point, she had known him for days. Not even, not weeks, not months, days, okay? And Wade was like, whatever, let's just go inside and go to bed. Okay, yeah. How about get a job in an apartment? and And Mary Kay told him, absolutely not, you need to leave. Because she's known this man for maybe 10 days at this point. Yeah. And he's like, let's just go inside and go to bed. And like being a whole asshole. Like, what are we, a married couple? No. Yeah. Get the fuck out of my house, yeah. you creep. Like, I'll what? I'll call you a cab. Yeah, literally. And I'll open the door for you, too. <laughs> exactly. You Kick your ass on the way out. <laughs> the next morning, Wade had texted her and asked when he could see her again. But she was like, no, this isn't working. I'm not going to see you again. It's not me. It's you. <laughs> yes. And you can imagine he did not like that. Did he storm out of the text conversation? Probably. Can you imagine uh, he like types that out, puts it in like an asterisk? Yeah. <laughs> Storms out. <laughs> Goes he, to bar, angrily orders drink. Gets a whiskey neat. <laughs> so he unfortunately didn't storm away from his phone after she told him she wasn't going to see him again. He ended up texting her a string of really nasty texts that really upset Mary Kay. But at this point, she wasn't afraid of him. She just thought he was, you know, a jerk. Mm. And her friend Julie just told her to ignore it. And so she did and went on with her day. And that was that. Their relationship lasted a whopping 10 days. Okay. Wow. An eternity. Yeah. And October 7th was the last time she had heard from Wade. So Mary Kay was business as usual. You know, she's like, whatever. Onward and upward, baby. Let's do it. Get more clients. Shortly after this, Wade checked himself into a mental hospital and stayed there until December 1st. Wait, so how long? From mid-October until December. Damn. Yeah, he's unhinged. Like, he's he's not well. Allegedly, he had told the hospital then that he needed more time, like meaning when they were going to release him in December, and more treatment because he had, quote, too many voices in his head and still had this rage and was suicidal and even homicidal, but they still sent him to a homeless shelter. That's alleged. I don't know if he actually told them that, but if he did and they sent him out, that sucks. (laughs) Let's just say that it was. 
Sure. That was gross negligence. Yeah, not great. Um, But during that time in the mental hospital, or shortly after he left, he made a list of people that he wanted to kill. He made a kill list. Right. And both Mary Kay and his ex-girlfriend, Ann Simonson, were on that list. Oh. Got something to say. They got something to say. They're like, no. I don't think they like Not Mary Kay and Ann. (laughs) Please. No, I get it. But the holidays were good for Mary Kay. She visited her family. She got away from Vegas for a while. And then when she did get back, one of her friends actually set her up with a man named Dean and she started dating him. So the night of January 21st, 2011 was a good night for Mary Kay. She had met up with some girlfriends that night for dinner. And then on her way home, she talked to Dean on the phone. And she got home, she got out of her car with her keys still in her hand, and she was walking up to her house. And that's the last thing that she remembers from that night. What? She was on the phone with Dean, getting out of the car. and On the phone with him? That's it. Yeah, still on the phone. Okay. And that's all she remembers. That night, Wade Ridley decided to, quote, have a conversation with Mary Kay. Right. That's always what it is. Yeah, I didn't mean to go off the rails. Yeah. I just wanted to talk. No. He knew that she had left her gate open because she would always leave her gate open and he was easily able to pick her garage door. So he sat in her garage and waited for her all night for her to get home with a knife in his pocket, but he just wanted to have a conversation, right? Right. That ended in murder. Exactly. As Mary Kay walked up to her door that night, he had kicked a box which made a noise and startled her. And when she turned around, Wade lunged at her with the knife in his hand and she screamed and fell backwards and hit her head on the ground. After she was on the ground, she was basically unconscious at this point, like barely conscious, and Wade started stabbing her. She tried to protect herself by putting her hands up, but it was so quick and so aggressive that Wade ended up stabbing her 10 times and actually broke off the blade of the knife somewhere in her body. Which he didn't know where it was, but once the blade broke was when he was like, okay, I guess that's enough of that. Which is horrifying. (laughs) I'm sorry, I didn't mean, this is not funny. Like, I just, (laughs) I can't imagine how much force it must take to break a blade. Yeah. That's insane. But after he did that, he wasn't finished. He stomped on her head a few times until her noises stopped, is what he said. And then he grabbed her purse and he ran away. Thankfully, her neighbor directly across the street from her house heard Marianne scream. Marianne, Mary Kay, hello? Heard Mary Kay scream and looked out of her window to see Wade attacking her and called 911 while it was still happening. Oh my god. So very quick. I can't even imagine watching that. I know. I mean, it was dark. on the phone. Yeah, it was dark and she couldn't see everything. But she said that she saw a man kicking someone on the ground and then ran off and he was wearing all black clothes. So they immediately sent an ambulance and officers to Mary Kay. And she, you know, was discovered and brought to the hospital. And when she made it to the hospital, she was in extremely bad shape, as I'm sure you can imagine. She was put into an induced coma and had tubes coming out of her mouth to help her breathe and also out of her head to, I I think, reduce swelling. I'm not a doctor, but she had tubes coming out of a bunch of places. The surgeons told Mary Kay's friends that the surgery she had to go through was very big because her brain was swelling and her injuries were 
extremely severe. They were going to have to cut out a pretty sizable piece of her skull and then sew her skin back together over that. She did make it through the surgery, and when she finally woke up, her friends had to tell her that she had been attacked because she just woke up in the hospital having no idea what had happened. So they had to tell her that she was attacked, and even worse than that, they had to tell her that they didn't know who did it. When police interviewed her, they asked if she knew of anyone who could have possibly wanted to hurt her, and she told them no. They asked if her boyfriend Dean could have done this, but she told them absolutely not. And when they interviewed him, they saw that it wasn't him. Did he have an alibi? I mean, he must have because they interviewed him and they were immediately like, yeah, no, it's not Dean. I mean, he was also on the phone with her. So it's... Right. Yeah. I wonder what happened. Did he just like... Maybe the phone disconnected? Hang up. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. But could you... I literally can't imagine waking up and having someone be like, yeah you were attacked and we don't know and we don't know who did it and they're still out there like that must be one of the most terrifying things to ever go through yeah but also maybe mention wade right i mean but but at that point it it had been months Months, it had been months since she had seen four or five yeah because the last time she spoke she spoke to him was in october and this the attack happened in january and she only dated him for 10 days you know he sent her those text messages where he was being really nasty and whatever but when she ignored him he stopped contacting her so it's not like he was you know actively stalking her he wasn't calling her a million times a day like he was supposedly gone so she did not think that he was capable of something like this but clearly she was wrong they also talked to julie who was there with her through everything and asked if mary Kay had any other boyfriends recently and possibly a bad breakup they were just like really grasping at straws here they had no idea right and julie was like you know what she did date this weird guy named wade ridley from phoenix for like 10 days but we haven't seen him in months but now they had a name although they couldn't find him so it didn't do much Right, but at least they're looking, right? Yeah, now at least they have a name. But now that he was done with Mary Kay, he set off to kill Anne Simonson because he had this list and he was on a mission. Anne had dated Wade about seven years before this, but he still called her regularly and made her life hell, even when he wasn't physically there. And Anne was actually the one that had the restraining order against Wade. Anne had started dating a man named Glenn Kalai, and the two would be hanging out and having a good time, and suddenly Anne would get a call, and immediately her mood would change, and she would get very quiet. The first time Glenn saw this happen, he asked her who was calling, obviously, because this is a very big shift in his girlfriend. He's like, you good? Yeah, what's huh? up? Anne told him that it was an ex-boyfriend and she had dated him about seven years ago, but he was still calling her even though she had a restraining order against him. And this happened quite a bit until finally Glenn said, okay, if he calls you again, let me answer the phone. So when Wade called again, because he called her like multiple times, Glenn answered and told him, Annie has a boyfriend and you need to stop calling her and we can get together and settle this like men, but you need to leave her alone. And he hung up, which... I I mean, I respect the move. He does not know who he's dealing with. No, exactly. When I saw that, I was like, ooh. Uh Uh-oh. Glenn. Glenn made a boo-boo. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not Glenn's fault. Not Glenn's fault, but like... Yeah, Wade's not going to take that well. No. He's not going to storm out on this one. Yeah, exactly. Glenn is also a victim in this. It is not good. But so Wade was clearly pissed. 
I mean, that's an understatement. But he walked all the way from Las Vegas until he got to the Hoover Dam. And then there he was able to hitch a ride into Phoenix, Arizona, where he asked the driver to drop him off in Ann's neighborhood on February 10th, 2011. He walked into her backyard, used a screwdriver to get her back door open and let him inside, which took him about 25 minutes to do, by the way. He was really working on this door for a long time. And normally Anne's dog would have been alarmed at an intruder and possibly even attack the person that was coming into the house. But Wade had actually trained this dog, unfortunately. Oh no. And he recognized Wade. So instead of barking and attacking, he was just wagging his tail because he was excited to see him. This whole thing, like when I really think about how much time it takes to walk somewhere, like for him to walk from Las Vegas to essentially Phoenix, you know? And then he spends- I don't know exactly how far it is, but it's, it's not a distance you walk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's insane. But it just, it really emphasized how premeditated everything he did was because the amount of time that it took him to, like, do these things, I can't even imagine what must have been going through his head to be, like, stewing so much to the point where you get so angry that you can walk from Las Vegas to Arizona. Yeah, it's a lot of time to cool down. Yeah. And, like, maybe take a step back and be like, hey, maybe I shouldn't attack women yeah maybe storm out on that idea (laughs) maybe storm out on that idea that'd be good that would have been good but unfortunately he did not so wade starts walking through ann's home with a machete by the way casually yeah going through her things and getting increasingly more angry because he's seeing all of glenn's clothes and all of glenn's things so he literally sat on her bed and waited for her to get home like a creep just forever like that's another thing he sits in these women's homes and waits for them for like eight hours for hours like that's insane that's literally insane he walked from las vegas to phoenix he's not gonna like get bored and leave right no i know know? (laughs) no i know but but that's that's what i mean though like his the premeditation of it all is so scary yeah the fact that this kind of person is real you know like that's insane He had so much time to sit and wait for Anne to come home that he thought about what he would do if, let's say, Glenn came home or, you know, Glenn walked in the door first. So he calculated that if Glenn walked in the door first, he would stick the machete in the back of Glenn's neck and like into his head pretty much and then get to Anne after that because you can't really go on after getting a machete to the back of the neck, I guess. Yeah, usually that's uh, the last move. Right, exactly. So he was just going to take them by surprise and he had like a very calculated plan. Uh, It doesn't really sound that calculated though. He's going to stick him with a knife and then go for her. Right, I guess, but he's just a crazy person. He's like full of rage. Yeah, that's true. But unfortunately, Anne came home all alone that day. And she walked into her kitchen and started going through her mail as usual. Suddenly, she heard someone behind her and she turned around to find Wade, who she had a restraining order against, standing in front of her with a machete. I simply cannot imagine the fear that must have run through that woman's body. Oh, yeah. It's chilling to think about. She told him, you can't be here. But he had already come at her with the machete and hit her on the head with the butt of the knife and she fell to the ground. As he started slashing her with the machete, she screamed, I love you, in an attempt to get him to stop. Wow, that's really smart. Yeah. 
But his response to that was, that was the wrong thing to say. What was the right thing to say? There's no right thing to say. He's a crazy person. (laughs) But that set him off even more, I suppose. And that's when he grabbed a butcher knife out of the knife block on the counter that was right next to him and stabbed her until she stopped moving. As she lay there, he cleaned the knife off in the sink, put it back in the butcher block, washed his hands of the blood, cleaned off his machete, and afterwards he went upstairs, took a shower, and stole a bunch of jewelry from both Anne and Glenn and left the house with Anne's purse. How the fuck do you take a shower after that? Exactly. Calm, cool, and collected at that point. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna just chill out for a minute see what I can find, take a shower, wash off my knife, clean my hands. Yo, if this allegation about the mental institution is getting true. that statement is true, yeah, uh, are they culp- Like, I mean, clearly they're culpable, at least to some degree, but like, I don't know. Yeah, it's scary if this he did like actually say, hey, I'm homicidal, and yeah. they were like, all right, bye. Yeah, well, right. you know, go make a kill list. Well, who knows if, if he actually told them that. But later that day, Anne's friend, Lewis, came to her house with his dog because he was supposed to walk Anne's dog. But when he knocked on the door, he didn't get an answer. So he looked through the window and saw Anne on the floor. The back door was locked once again. So he used the doggy door to reach through the, (laughs) to the inside and unlock the door, which seriously, I find a little funny, not, not the situation, but the fact that Wade wasted a half an hour with a screwdriver on the back door and Lewis reached his arm into the doggy door and unlocked it. Yeah. That's a little stupid. A little funny, but also maybe don't have a doggy door like that. Right. Yeah, but I mean, it, it didn't let in Wade. You know what I mean? True. Like, that's that wasn't the issue. But it could have. It could have. But, um, so Lewis got inside and at first he thought that she maybe slipped and hit her head. But as he got closer to her, he obviously saw all the blood and saw what happened. Lewis had actually pretty much just missed Wade leaving the house as he was getting to the house. No way. Yeah. So because he finished I mean, his shower just in time. Yeah, he took his sweet ass time, which honestly... Thank God he missed him because Wade would have just murked Lewis. Yeah. You know, he's so unhinged and unpredictable and he's like just plowing down anyone. Yeah. That's insane. That's so scary. Paul Dalton, who was the officer at the crime scene, said that he believed that Anne had to have known the person that attacked her. And due to the violence of the scene, it looked like this was personal. Both Glenn and Anne's sister, Marcy, were also at the crime scene, and Marcy immediately told the police that there was no doubt in her mind that this was Wade Ridley, who had killed her sister. The police didn't know much about Wade, but they started looking into him, obviously, because that's a pretty strong lead. (laughs) At the crime scene in the backyard, they found under the table by the back door a pair of sunglasses and also a notebook. And inside the notebook was a personal journal and Paul Dalton could tell that whoever's journal this was was going through some sort of mental health crisis because the the writing was just very erratic and not healthy. And in the journal, the owner mentioned the name of the hospital that he stayed at, aka Wade. And when the officer called that hospital, they were able to confirm that Wade Ridley was in fact a former patient of theirs. So that pretty much sealed the deal that it was Wade. That night, Glenn understandably didn't want to sleep in the house. So he spent the night on Marcy's couch 
And as he was dozing off to sleep, he felt someone tap on his shoulder and tell him to check his bank account. What? He believes that it was Anne coming to him and warning him because he woke up and was like, what is, why am I checking my bank account? But he was like, okay, I will. And he did. And he saw that Wade had his credit card and was going to Vegas. He was like on his way to Vegas. He was making charges at like gas stations and like little convenience stores along the way to Vegas. So he immediately called the the detective and told them exactly that. Which is great because when a murderer or someone who attacks someone leaves the area and goes to a different area, it's not like that police station is going to tell every station in the, you know, nation that there's a man on the loose who's attacked someone. So if Glenn didn't tell them he's on his way to Vegas, they never would have been like, hey, Vegas PD, look out for Wade Ridley, you know? So maybe it was Anne, (laughs) you know? That's weird. I know. Spooky. It is spooky. So Officer Dalton did call up Vegas Homicide Department and told them that Wade Ridley was on his way into Vegas. He had just killed Ann Simonson and they needed to find him. He sent them pictures of Wade Ridley, the pictures of the stolen car because he had stolen Ann's car, information on the items that were stolen from the house and just any general information that they had on him. And when that officer got this information, the first thing he did was run Wade Ridley's name through their system. And I didn't know this, but when you pawn an object, like at a pawn shop, it's the shop's responsibility to log it into the system, and police departments across the nation have the ability to go into that system and see if anyone pawned something. Really? Yeah, which I didn't know was the thing, but they checked the pawn shop's system and saw that Wade Ridley had recently pawned items that he had stolen from Ann Simonson's house, which was great. It was a huge break because... Now they knew what part of Vegas he was in, which is good because it's a big city. They also got lucky because Wade had turned on Anne's phone, which he had stolen, and the cell tower that he was near pinged the phone behind a very specific building right off of the Las Vegas Strip. So they were like, wow. ding, 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 we're coming for you. Bitch. Exactly. <laughs> they sent all of their people to that area to search for him. And Wade was back in Vegas because he didn't know if he had actually killed Mary Kay. So he was going to figure that out and if he needed to finish her off. And Mary Kay at this time was really struggling. She was staying with her friend Julie, who is an absolute angel, by the way. She supported Mary Kay and took care of her through all everything that she went through and when they first got back from the hospital she set up mary Kay in a guest room and slept on a recliner chair next to the bed so that mary Kay wouldn't be alone and felt safe and julie's boyfriend was just in the next room sleeping with a loaded gun and she said that they are very much not gun people but this is how real their fear was at the time oh yeah if that just happened to you 100 percent i'm loading up yeah That's terrifying. But so Julie was a huge part of Mary Kay's recovery and she was really lucky to have such an incredible friend by her side. Yeah, what an angel. Hold on to her. Yeah. When Wade turned back on Anne's phone, he used it to call Mary Kay's office to find out whether she was alive or dead. But when he called, he only asked for Mary. He didn't ask for Mary Kay, which was good that he did that. I mean, it was good for Mary Kay, bad for him because nobody in that office or in her clientele base called her Mary. They only called her Mary Kay or MK. 
And since the person who had attacked Mary Kay was still out there, the office was given very strict instructions and a script to read off of if anyone called in asking for Mary Kay so that they could find out who was calling. And wow, they were that prepared. Yes. And they were very specifically told that if someone called and asked for Mary, that that was a red flag. So there you go. Exactly. Here, here it is. Yeah. So they didn't give him any information and he got mad, but then he asked to speak to Julie because, you know, he had met Julie. Thankfully, Julie wasn't in the office and he got sent straight to her voicemail. Not long after that, an officer did spot the red convertible that he had stolen with, you know, the Arizona plates and they ran the plates and it was in fact Anne's car. So the officer drew his gun and told Wade to get out of the car and get on the ground. Wade did surrender at that point and was arrested. In the early hours of February 13th, Wade Ridley was taken into custody and the Phoenix police were also called to come down to Las Vegas and interview him as well. And in his interview with police, Wade blamed his victims for what he had done. He was like, they wronged me, they hurt me, so they made me do it. And uh -huh. he, he also blamed his mental illness, but he never ever was like, yeah, I'm a bad guy. <laughs> like, Right. It makes sense. Yeah, right? I guess. Yeah, like he's, it's not like he's going to somehow grow a conscience right now, but, yeah. um, but yeah, he never took accountability for anything he did. He was like, they made me, they hurt me before. So I had to hurt them. I well, just wanted to have a conversation. Right. Of course you did. But <laughs> what was his mental illness? They didn't specifically say they did say that he was hearing voices and it that sounds he, like schizophrenia. Yeah, but we're not something. doctors. I mean, we're like, not, but you know, like it, it's just trying it's, to figure out what's going on here. No, for sure. It's possible. But like, it was probably a mixture of things. Like he was just a very aggressive person who yeah. was clearly unhinged. Like who knows? Maybe he has like a long past with drugs. You know what? Like you don't know, but, um, yeah, never too sure. Exactly. And we don't want to be out here being like people with schizophrenia are dangerous because that's not that's, what we're saying. Yeah. Not what I'm saying. But it, it was never um, explicitly said like, oh, he has this mental illness. But, mm. you know, he did blame his mental illness and he's clearly disturbed. So something is yeah. wrong. Yeah. Wade had about six or seven people on his kill list that he was still going to get to after that. So he, they fully stopped a serial killer in his tracks before he like officially became a serial killer. Because I think you need to kill three people to become a serial killer. He was going on three, but I mean, he didn't kill Mary Kay. So technically one. He was one. trying. He was trying. He had a whole plan. And his old boss, Len, was on that list. And when he found out that Wade Ridley had been arrested for murder and he could have been next, I mean, <laughs> like... Lose your shit. Yeah, you just lose your mind. Like, what is... What? How? how? That's good. Like, English. I don't know. I just... I think all the guy did was fire him for a completely reasonable reason. Yes. Wade's arrest was just about three weeks after Mary Kay's attack. And once they had him, the police came to Julie's home to tell Mary Kay that they had arrested Wade 10 minutes away from her house. And that after killing his ex in Phoenix, he was most likely back to finish the job. When Mary Kay realized what Wade had actually done to her and to Anne, she broke down because I mean, <laughs> how yeah, do you not? She felt a huge amount of survivor's guilt because she couldn't understand why she got to live and why Anne didn't. But she and Julie were also so relieved that this whole thing was over. 
it was decided that Wade would be prosecuted first in Las Vegas and then would be extradited to Phoenix, where he would have to face charges for Anne's murder. But to avoid all of that, he took a plea deal, which gave him 70 years in prison for the attack of Mary Kay Beckman. And if he had gone to trial in Arizona, he would have been facing the death penalty. So he was like, I'll just, I'll just take life in prison. Because at that point, 70 years is life because he's already in his 50s. Right. He did end up killing himself in the Nevada prison in 2012 while in solitary confinement. So just a year later. Mary Kay's recovery process lasted from January 21st, 2011 to August 18th, 2011. She had a total of three head surgeries, which required several surgeries to repair her jaw, remove part of her skull, and preserve her eyesight and hearing. She also had seizures, so she was in and out of the hospital multiple times, but what kept her going was the fact that it just wasn't her time yet. She believes that she has a bigger purpose on this earth and she needs to keep pushing forward. And after everything was finally over, Mary Kay went back to work and she received a call from Marcy, who is Ann Simonson's sister. Marcy told Mary Kay that she was so happy that Mary Kay survived. And this was a very emotional call, obviously, but Mary Kay said that she wanted to do something in Anne's honor. But Marcy told her to just enjoy your life and keep going. So from that moment on, Mary Kay changed all of her branding and marketing for her real estate business to say, live life and enjoy life to honor Anne. That's awesome. I can't think of a better message from Marcy. Yeah. You know, yeah, like you don't really... need to do anything. Exactly. To honor her, just enjoy what you still have. Yeah. I mean, there's no bringing her back, you know, nothing is right. going to do that. But that's, yeah, that's very true. And a year after Ridley died, Mary Kay also ended up suing Match.com for $10 million. She claimed to have suffered $346,000 in economic damages due to the negligence of the site to to ensure the safety of its members, and she also was looking for $5.4 million in non-economic damages and $4.1 million in punitive damages. Let's get it. it? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, She claimed the site should offer warnings to their members about how dangerous some of the people on their dating, in their dating pool can be. Like sort of like how when you get a pack of cigarettes, you have the warning on the pack of cigarettes. That's kind of what she was looking for. Oh, okay. Like a general warning or a specific warning about him? Not a specific warning about Wade. A warning in general that, you know, X amount of people get attacked from people on dating sites, which like if you saw, if you logged onto a dating site and saw that, I'm sure you wouldn't be like, let's make a profile like that would, that would not be good for their marketing. Right. But match.com said the lawsuit was absurd. And they said that there are many millions of people who have found love on match.com and other online dating sites and know how fulfilling it is. And while that doesn't make what happened in this case any less awful, this is about a sick, twisted individual with no prior criminal record, not an entire community of men and women looking to meet each other. So the lower court dismissed the claim in 2017, finding that Match didn't need to owe her any money. And she also dropped the lawsuit against Match.com after the site agreed to perform basic screening for those convicted of sex offenses, which you never really think about. The fact that dating sites don't really do background checks. Yeah. I did find that a lot of dating sites like Tinder and OkCupid and Plenty of Fish and 
dating apps owned by Match Group do not screen for sexual predators or potential danger. And actually sex offenders, registered sex offenders can make profiles on these dating sites and you just don't know. Yeah, that's scary. But I mean, you don't know in real life either if you just meet someone at a bar too. No, of course. But, but I mean, yeah, if you're on a dating I think site... If they, you know, I mean, they have no incentive to, right? They're a business. Yeah. But, you know, they should definitely improve on that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it would be good business to be like, hey, we're a safer dating site. We screen for sexual predators and we don't... <laughs> like, we, you know, like you're not going to come across a sex offender in your in your dating pool yeah but because the sites are free they don't do that like match.com now does that because of this whole lawsuit and whatever but you have to pay to be on match.com right but i just never even thought about that that like they don't screen you and there's predators i mean obviously you know that there are dangerous people people. like violent histories too yeah like you know that obviously there are dangerous people that are on websites where it's like, hey, don't go on chat rooms and talk to random strangers. Obviously, you're going to be safe about your dating life. But that is why you have to be so strict about putting those protocols in place, like meeting them where if you're going to go on a date and telling people that you're going on a date and where you're going to be and, you know, what time you're going to be there. And, you know, exactly like there's so many things you have to do to like stay safe. And it's for a reason. It's so scary. But just wanted to like make that a clear, you know, like that because I never thought about the fact that like sex offenders could make a profile on dating sites, but they can. Yeah, why would you think about it? Yeah, obviously. Know? It's like I'm not saying don't go on dating sites and don't, you know, go on dates with people, but like just be safe about yeah. it. Be safe about be aware. it. Yeah, be aware. But anyway, today Mary Kay is living a very full and happy life and she loves what she does and she has found the what she says is the perfect man to share her life with and she still has a very booming real estate business in Las Vegas and she's doing great. So that is the story of Mary Kay Beckman. A wild ride, but that is her story. Wow, this has uh what's that docuseries on Netflix? Uh Dear John it has Dear John vibes. Dear John. Remember? Uh Oh yes, Dear John. Yeah. We talked yeah. about her. Deborah. No, Dirty John. Dirty John. Dirty yeah, because Dear John Dear where John, did that come from? <laughs> yeah, no, because Dear John is a movie, it's like a romantic movie about something. But Okay, Dirty, clearly not yeah, that's not it. That's why I was like, What are you talking right, about? Yeah, no. Dirty John. Dirty John. Yes. Um, It has those vibes. It definitely does. She cut it off after 10 days, so very much not the same, but you know. No, but I mean, she did meet him on a dating site. A snake, yeah, Yeah. that you just kind of meet. Yeah, he leached off of her. He took advantage of her life, and he was very dangerous and had prior (laughs) dangerous things happening. But it's also amazing to me that she didn't remember anything, really. I mean, she hit her head so hard, and he also, like, curb-stomped her. I know, I know, but yeah, it's crazy that the last thing she remembers is just getting out of her car, and then it's just blank. I know, you know, the mind is weird. Honestly, it's not that it's good that she doesn't have memory, but it's kind of good that she doesn't remember the attack. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean that probably would have caused her like more mental anguish than yeah than she was already dealing with. Yeah, but anyway, do you have a good thing? Uh, Why don't you go first this week? Okay, my good thing is that I have one more week until I go home for Thanksgiving, and I'm just ready to be taking a break for a little while. Amen. Yeah. Oh, here's a good thing. I will 
probably most likely be getting my car back from the shop this week. Oh yeah, did we? After like three weeks. Did we even talk about that you were in a car accident? I don't remember. Yeah. Here's what happened, right? (laughs) I had had the car for less than two weeks. I'm merging out of the 405 and I get rear-ended at like five or 10 miles an hour. So it wasn't bad at all. But the person who caused it drove off. So it was basically like somebody hit into somebody that hit me. Yeah, it was a hit and run. And also merging onto the highway in California is kind of weird because when it's busy, they have like red lights, traffic lights to let you know when you can, when it's your turn to merge on the highway. So you're going from zero to then merging onto the highway into traffic. Mm, So it's kind of... Yeah, but also everyone else was like going 10 miles an hour because it was a parking lot on the 405. Anyway. Didn't uh, stop that man from hitting into you and wrecking you in the back of your car. But good. I'm glad you'll get your car back hopefully this coming week. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. If you'd like to look at all the pictures we post about all the cases we talk about, follow us on Instagram at nottoday underscore podcast. If you or anyone you know has a story you'd like to share with us of survival or anything, send it to notodaypodcast at gmail.com. We have a TikTok that is notodaypodcast and a Twitter that is notodaypodcast with the T on the end of podcast is three. Because that makes sense. Because that makes sense. And just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.